piece. And so we're just going to try to wave at you if that's all right and let you know we are glad you're here and looking forward to what the Lord wants to do in service today. I hope you've been praying for the service this week. I hope you've been looking forward to what God has planned for you. And I know the Holy Spirit's got something for all of us. And I pray that we'll be obedient to that, not only to hear it, but to receive it and respond to the word of God this morning. Nehemiah chapter number 13. Just remain seated if you don't mind. We're going to pick up in verse number 1. Read down through about verse number 6. And then we're going to pray and jump right in if that's all right. Nehemiah chapter number 13. The Bible says, On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people... And therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Aren't you glad God can do that this morning? Verse number 3, Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And before this, Eliashib, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine, and the oil. The Bible says, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priest. Watch verse number 6. It'll be very important to our text today. The Bible says, But all this time was not I at Jerusalem. For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. There's a lot to unwrap there this morning, so let's pray and ask God to help us with that. Father, I do thank you for the privilege to be back in your house this morning, and good to see so many of our people that were able to make it here in person today, and I'm thankful for those that are watching by live stream this morning. I pray that, Lord, you'd work in each and every heart that is here. Uh, Lord, there's no way on earth I could know all the needs that are here today and the burdens that are being carried, but I know that you do, and I know your grace is sufficient for everyone. For the lost soul who's yet to trust you as Savior, Lord, and have their name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, Father, I pray you'd show them their need this morning, and they'll come and be saved. And for the saved, that Father, during this time where we have been separated, I pray, uh, Lord, you'd draw us back close to you again in the service here at Central Baptist Church. Lord, I simply want to please you today and to do your will, and I pray you'd help us to do just that, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Nehemiah is one of my favorite books to read out of. And to study out of, and if you go back to one of my first preaching Bibles that I got when I was a teenager, uh, you'll find the pages in the book of Nehemiah are yellowed, because uh, I spent a lot of time there. As a matter of fact, the first revival I ever preached, I think I was about 18 years old down in Pascagoula uh, at my great-grandmother's church down there years ago, about 1998. Uh, I preached out of the book of Nehemiah. What a great book of revival when you, you go back and you see how the walls were broken down and the city was just laying in waste, the Bible says, and here's the great city of God, and it's a reproach upon the people of God in the name of God. And then God began to stir the hearts of Ezra and Nehemiah to go back and to rebuild and to restore the great work of God in the city of God. We read about Nehemiah how in just 52 short days an architectural miracle took place where the great walls of Jerusalem were broken down, the gates were burned with fire, and Nehemiah and some people who the Bible says had a mind to work went back to this place with the help of God, the providence of God, rebuilt these great walls in 52 short days. It was nothing less than miraculous. 
Uh, I'll be honest with you today, as I look back and see how God blessed a group of people who had a mind to work and a heart to do what God had called them to do, it merely stirs my heart today, wondering what God could do with our people here today if we just had a mind to work and a desire to be about the will of God in the place he's called us to. Well, what happens is we find that after the wall was rebuilt, they've made great progress, they've made great accomplishment, but the time came that it was necessary for Nehemiah to return back to the palace. If we go back in chapter 1, we won't read it this morning, but he was the king's cupbearer. He had a responsibility to do there, and it was time for him to go back because we notice in chapter 1 he's, or chapter 2, he set the king a time for how long he would be gone. So we see the great progress that was made, the accomplishment of what God did there, but it became necessary for him to go back to the palace. Now, this is very important. Some years later, he returns. He seeks leave of the king and returns to the place of where God had done such a great work. The wall of Jerusalem had been rebuilt, and when he returns, he finds that things had not fared very well. Uh, it's something very, very poignant for us to notice this morning that good works have got to be maintained. All right, good works have got to be maintained. You may have something good going for you today spiritually. You may have something good going for you uh, as a, mentor, a member of Central Baptist Church today. But understand it's not going to stay that way. Things naturally degrade and go downhill. Would it be, would it be nice as as things got older, they got better? Uh, now, some of you that are older than me today are probably saying, well, we do, all right? I'm just going to amen you with that so I don't quench the spirit. But you think about it, the longer we have our cars, they don't get better, do they? They go downhill. Uh, the longer we have our houses, we build these great, big, beautiful houses. And the longer we have those houses, we have to start painting them and cutting the grass. And we have to start changing out the carpet and the furniture. Why? Over time, good things go downhill. In spite of the fact God had done a great work here in the book of Nehemiah, nothing short than miraculous. God allowed this massive wall to be rebuilt in just 52 days, and yet now here's Nehemiah returning to see how things have fared, and here's the sad thing that he's realized. Things are not the same. While Nehemiah was way away, things had gone downhill. Nehemiah has returned to the place of this great victory, and not only are things not the same, but the time that he was away had taken its toll on the great work that God had done there. Now, it's important to recognize today in the message that when Nehemiah came back to Jerusalem to see where God had done this great work, he recognized that things were not as they were when he left. All right? Pay close attention to that. And then not only did he recognize that things were not the way they were when he left, he responded to the needs that were there and got things back in order. Why? Because just over the time, changes needed to be made. Now let's relate that to us today. Just like Nehemiah, the Lord has blessed us. At least if you're a part of Central Baptist Church, the Lord has blessed us to be a part of a great work. God has done many wonderful miracles right here in this place, in the lives and the homes and the hearts of many people, many that can't be here today. But I'm thankful for the great work of God that he's done here. I'm thankful for the great work of God that he's done in our families. I'm thankful for the great work of God he's done in the hearts of men, not only saving the lost, but turning men back to him that they could serve him with the time that he's allotted to them in this life. And yet I want you to notice something. Just like Nehemiah, we've had to go away for a while. Nehemiah had to leave the site of the great work and to leave the place where God had done something. And just like Nehemiah, I fear this morning that our time that we've had to be away from this place, that perhaps some things have changed. Folks, I want you to know it's just natural. It's just natural. 
The time that we had to be away from this building, almost seven months, we were away from the place where God had done so much work and where God had changed our hearts and lives and homes and grew us closer to him. And yet, just like Nehemiah, there was a time that it was necessary that we leave this place. And I just can't help but wonder this morning, while we were away, have things changed any? Have we come back to this place our second Sunday here? Like Nehemiah, have we found that the time that we were away has taken a toll on our hearts? Has the time that we were away taken its toll on our families? Has the time that we were away taken its toll on our walk with God? Could we be honest enough this morning to allow the Holy Spirit of God today, in this time that we're gathered together, thankfully, in this building, to show us that perhaps while we were away from this great work, things possibly have not been maintained as God would have them to be? We'll be willing this morning to recognize that perhaps there are things in our lives that aren't as they should be. Now here's Nehemiah. I'll be honest with you. If I was Nehemiah, I would have been so excited to get back to Jerusalem and get back to see the people and the great work that was done there and how disappointing it must have been for Nehemiah to come and to find that things not only were not going as good as they were, things had gone downhill a little bit. Why? Remember, that's natural. We are natural people. I'm thankful this morning that we are supernaturally saved, but we live in a very natural flesh body. It still wants things that it should not want. Tomorrow I will celebrate joyfully two weeks being on a change of lifestyle. I hate using the word diet because we throw diets around, uh, you know, like pennies. They don't mean a whole lot to us. But I changed my lifestyle two weeks ago, and I've been doing very, very good until a certain birthday party yesterday blew it out of the water for me. Uh, There was not any low-fat food at the birthday party I was at, but I've been doing very good. But I want you to know this body still craves things that it doesn't need. I'll be honest with you. It still craves the chocolate and it still craves the Krispy Kremes. All you people have been tagging me on the Krispy Kremes things lately on Facebook. You've been killing me because I just want to go get me a Krispy Kreme. And now they've got that holiday spice, that pumpkin spice. How I mean, that's hard to resist this morning. Why? My body craves those things. My body doesn't crave cauliflower. It doesn't crave, uh, it doesn't crave celery, that's for sure. It's just crunchy water for all of you people who don't know better. That's all it is. My body craves things that are not good for it, all right? Now, that's the same way with us spiritually. If you're not careful, our spiritual, our supernatural spiritual self will give way to the natural self, and then things start to go downhill. And I believe this morning that if you're anything like me, during this time that we were away from the great work of God here at Central Baptist Church, perhaps that time has taken some toll, and things are not what they were when we left. I believe all of us this morning, look, I don't know all of you, but I believe all of us this morning come here with one thing in common. We all stand in the need of being changed. Listen, it doesn't matter if there are things right in your life and you're walking with God this morning. Listen, wouldn't you desire a closer walk with God? Wouldn't you like to be closer with him today? Wouldn't you like to have more of a witness in your life and more boldness to stand for the things of God in your life? I mean, listen, I hope to leave here today changed. Before we can leave here changed today, look, we're going to have to be like Nehemiah and realize that perhaps while we were away, some things became in disrepair spiritually. And I believe this morning, if we're willing to make the changes, 
that we'll have what God would have us to have again here at Central Baptist Church. I heard a story several days ago about a man who broke out with this bad rash, wasn't sure what it was, and just got the itching and scratching all over. And so finally he goes to his doctor and he asks the doctor, he says, what is this rash that I have going on? And they'd run all these tests and come to find out he was allergic to his hunting dog. The man says, look, you're going to have to get rid of your hunting dog. He says, you don't understand that hunting dog's one of the best ones in the country. I mean, he's won all of these awards, and he never gets off on a rabbit. He's always on deer. He always does his job. That's a special hunting dog. You've got to get rid of it. And the guy says, okay, well, I'm leaving then. And the guy gets up, gets ready to leave. The doctor says, well, are you going to get rid of the dog? He says, of course not. I'm going to get one of those second opinions and find a doctor that will tell me I don't have to get rid of my dog. You see, he wasn't willing to make the changes that were needed to have what he could have had, which was to get rid of that, that sickness and that rash he had in his life. And aren't we the same way? God shows us the change we need to make in our life. He shows us where things are maybe in disrepair. Look, I don't have to know. Thank God, listen, I'm not your priest. You don't have to come and confess to me. By the way, I'd rather know not. I don't want to know what you do. I, I told you, I see enough of what you do on Facebook, and I just have to hide my eyes. It makes it easier for me to preach when I don't know what you do, okay? If I know what you do, I just preach to the television back there. I preach to the clock on the back wall because I don't want to have to look at you. But folks, can I tell you this morning, things do get in disrepair. And there are times where we realize that while we were away from this place that God has allowed so much to be done, perhaps the time has taken its toll and there's some things that we need to work on today, and I think we'd be naive to think, I think we'd all be naive to think this morning, that things are the way they were when we left. Can we agree with that this morning? That maybe we're not where we were when we left. Maybe we're not walking as close as we were. Maybe God's not working through us as much as he was. Maybe we're not talking to him as much as we were. Maybe we're not spending as much time in his word as we were. And this morning, there's some changes that need to be made because while we were away, things perhaps have gone downhill. So this morning, we're going to look at what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah saw that while he was away, some things had degraded a little bit, and he started making the necessary changes. And this morning, I want to preach on that very simple subject of while we were away. I wonder if anything has happened in your home, in your heart, in your mind, in your life, and in your ministry while we were away. Could it be, I mean, could we just at least admit this morning that there's a possibility that we are not the same Christians that we were when we left here seven months ago? Could we agree to that? We've all gone through a lot. We're all bearing burdens. We've all dealt with the anxieties that are uh, existing in our society this morning. And perhaps we're not what we need to be, but I'm thankful by the grace of God we can be if we're willing to make the changes. So let's look at some things that happened while Nehemiah was away. Look back at chapter 13, verse number 1. The Bible says, On that day they read the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and there it was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabites should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread, with water, but hired Balaam against them. So here they are. They're reading the word of God. This is not back when they dedicated the temple. Uh, this is where they are reading the word of God, and they realize that there's to be some separation between the people, the Ammonites and the Moabites. He says, we need to separate them out of the congregation of God. But notice something. Verse number four. This should jump off the page to you. And before this, Eliashib the priest having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God was allied unto Tobiah. Now notice that word. He was allied to Tobiah. 
Now, if you've read the book of Nehemiah, the word or the name Tobiah should jump out at you a little bit. Tobiah is mentioned all throughout the book of Nehemiah. And if you would, I want you to turn back to chapter 2, and I want to read a few instances of who this man was. Nehemiah chapter number 2, as Nehemiah builds the wall, watch what happens in verse number 10. When Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Tobiah was one of the ones who hated the fact that Nehemiah had come back to rebuild the wall of God. This is one of their enemies. Keep reading in verse 19 of chapter number 2. The Bible says that when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and says, what is this thing that you will do when you rebel against the king? Here is Tobiah mocking the work of God that's going on. Keep reading in chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, that here they are building the wall, that it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very raw. They're mad that the wall is being built. Now, what did we just read in chapter number 13? The one who had opposed them and mocked them the one that had despised them, the one that had tried to get the work to stop, is now living in the chamber of the house of God. And the Bible says that Elijah the priest, having the oversight of the chamber, was allied unto them. Can you imagine the shock this morning? When Nehemiah trots into the town, the wall is still there, he walks into the town and he notices that there in the house of God, in one of the chambers, that one of the chambers has been given to the man who had despised the work and mocked the work and tried to stop the work of God. Listen, if I was Nehemiah, my jaw would have hit the floor. Here's the guy that tried to stop us and now he's made his way in among us. Could it be number one this morning that while we were away, the enemy gained entrance? Could it be that while we were away, let me ask you this morning, did the enemy gain entrance? Now here's what's so sad this morning. What Tobiah could not do in Nehemiah's presence, he did in Nehemiah's absence. Could we see that this morning? He tried to slow and to stop and to disdain the work of God while Nehemiah was there, but Nehemiah was strong, and while Nehemiah was present, everything was okay. But as soon as Nehemiah leaves, in Nehemiah's absence, the enemy accomplishes what he could not in his presence. I want you to hear me out this morning. Satan often seeks to advance his will in the lives of God's people during times of absence. If you're not careful, during times of absence in your life, when your schedule, your spiritual schedule has been disrupted, Satan will always seek to take advantage of that. That's why the Bible says to neither give place to the devil. The devil makes very good use of the space that we give him. And in this time of absence, when we're away from the house of God, I just have to believe this morning. Listen, number one, because I know myself. And I'll admit to you this morning that during this time of absence when we're away from the house of God 
And we're away from the fellowship that we had one with another. And away from this time of discipline when we have services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I know that in my own heart and in my own life that during this time of absence, the enemy has tried to gain entrance. Who would be honest enough to say amen this morning? I believe in each and every one of our lives at some point while we were away, Satan has tried to get in and Satan has tried to carve out a place in our hearts and our homes. And I hate to tell you this, but from where I stand this morning, I see it very clearly that he's accomplished just that in the lives of many. Talk to pastors every day, just about every day of my week. I talk to different pastors, see how things are going on in their churches, and all of them say the same thing, that this virus has opened up the door. This quarantine has opened up the door. And I want you to know, Satan has fled into the vacuum and filled the vacuum. Why? Because while we were away, the enemy gained entrance. What do you think about Eden? Think about the great work of God that was at Eden. It was a perfect world. Oh, I hope God shows us what it was like when we get to heaven. Somebody said, somebody said they believe that there were tomatoes as big as basketballs. Imagine how many, how many tomato sandwiches you could make out of that. Uh, I mean, good night, Rotel and spaghetti sauce. I mean, you could do real well. I mean, who, who knows what it was like? Maybe one day we'll get to see that. And here's Eden, one of God's most special, perfect works that he had made. And everything was going fine until what? When did Satan come to Eve? It was in the absence of Adam. That's when Satan came to Eve. You see, Satan sits about. He's that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, by the way, God rightly compared him to a lion. He didn't say he was a lion. He says he's as a lion. He's just pretending, by the way. Aren't you glad? We serve the real lion of the tribe of Judah. He's just pretending to be one. But listen, he compared him to a lion on purpose. Why? Because they're dangerous. You understand this morning, the lion goes about, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. When God asked Satan where he had been in the book of Job, he says, from going up and down and to and fro in the earth, do you know what he was looking for? He was looking for an absence. He was looking for a place that he could get in. And lo and behold, he could not get to Job. Why? Because there was no holes in Job's hedge. Aren't you glad this morning? But I fear this time of virus has given an opportunity for Satan To step in in that time of absence. And what happened to the great work of Eden? There was no thorns or thistles or poison ivy. I've never gotten the stuff. I have, I guess it's just right living. Amen. I have never, I'm going to get it tomorrow, brother Nate. It's going to happen. I'm going to be climbing a deer stand sooner or later in the winter and I'm going to get poison ivy just because I said that. And you can say, ah ha ha. All right. It's probably going to happen because I'm boasting and all that happens. But when you fall right after you boast. So we know that's coming our way. But can I tell you this morning? It was perfect. And then we see it all going downhill. Why? Because the devil capitalized on a time of absence. Could I ask you this morning, while we were away, did the enemy gain entrance to your heart? Did the enemy gain entrance to your home? I see homes falling right and left. Why? The devil found a way to get in. He found a place. I want you to think about Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30. The Bible says that while David and his men were off to battle, the Amalekites came in. And they burned down the city and they carried away captives, their wives and their children. When did the Amalekites strike? It was in the absence of David. It was in the absence of the soldiers. And folks, we've been absent. We've been away from this place for a while. And I just can't help believe, listen, as we return to this place, this wonderful church that God's let us be a part of, I just can't help believe that like Nehemiah, perhaps this morning, things are not the way they were when we left. Why? Because the enemies gained some entrance while we were away. I think about Bathsheba, the great sin that David committed against God. 
The Bible says that David lived a life that was pleasing to God, all except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That blot on David's record, when did it take place? It was when David was absent from the battlefield. The Bible says when kings go forth to battle, that's where David should have been. But David was absent and the devil worked in the absence. Now can I ask you this morning, could it be this morning, it would be honest enough to admit that during this time that we were away, the enemy perhaps could have gained entrance to our hearts, into our homes, and even to the lives of our children. Edmund Burke's famous quote was this, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. What is he saying? The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil, that means for the powers of darkness to win, is for good men to do nothing. What is he saying? He says evil will triumph in the absence of good men. And we look at our country today. We gripe about it. We complain about it. We post about it. But that's about the end of our angst. I'm being honest with you. That's about the end of our angst. We don't really want to do anything about it. I'm not talking about go shoot somebody, okay? So don't go say my preacher said that I could do that. I'm not saying that. If you want to do something for the cause of Christ and for the United States of America, just learn to live righteously and holy before God. That's what matters to God. God can straighten all of this out. God can fix all of that this morning. But if his people don't turn from their wicked ways, God's not stepping in. No matter how many guns you have, no matter how much you arm up and so want to go stand and march against something, God is not on our side as long as we're not on God's side. Could it be this morning that while we were away, The enemy gained entrance into our hearts, our homes, and our children. Now, I want you to notice something. How do you know he got in? Say, how do you know he got in? Well, notice verse 4. Before this, Elisha, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, watch close, was allied with, allied unto Tobiah. You do some reading, you'll find out there were some marriages that took place. Now, Tobiah is kind of part of the family. But notice the word ally, if you will. The word ally simply means this, to unite or form a connection with. To unite or form a connection with. Can I ask you, while we were away, did you unite or form a connection with things that God says we should not be connected with? Notice he says in verse number 1, they read in the book where the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God. But while Nehemiah was away, Eliashib formed a connection with something that God said stay away from. Could it be while we were away, the enemy gained entrance because we decided, you know what? I want to be an ally with that. Now, here's something interesting. The word ally and the word align, A-L-I-G-N, come from the same root. One way that you can know this morning that the enemy's gained entrance into your heart and your home is when your life begins to closely align with what God stands against. The Bible says they were allied. That means they were aligned together. I hate to tell you this, B.R. Lakin said it years ago, and I believe with him 100%. He says, I don't know if the church has gotten worldly or the world has gotten churchy. He says, you can't tell the difference anymore. Why? Because we align so closely. We bring in their views and their ideals and their music and their lifestyles. We bring it in, and the church is aligning so much with the world today, it's hard to separate the two. Why? The enemy's gained entrance. Remember this this morning, what we align with is the greatest evidence of what we've been infiltrated by. What we align with, what does your life align more with, with the word of God or the world in which we live? Can I tell you something today, folks? The church is fighting awful hard to align with the world for some odd reason when God says, come out from among them and be ye separate. 
Why do we think we've lost our power today? Why is the church not effective anymore? It's because we're closely aligning or allying with the world. Now look, I'm not talking about we shouldn't win the lost. I'm talking about accepting and adopting their ideals. Notice Eliashib just brought him on into the house of the Lord. Nehemiah says, look, what's he doing here? I mean, imagine the shock. That'd be like going to an LSU ball game and seeing an Alabama guy. You're like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Now, that's the time to take up arms right there, all right? I mean, look, we're, we're a little bit sour right now because we're in a rebuilding year, all right? That's what it's called when you lose a lot. We're in a rebuilding year. And after 2019, we had to rebuild because most of our team went pro because they were just that good. You look out at an LSU game and say, Alabama guy, say, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're not one of ours. Hey, get out of here. And they just run him out with, with, with swords and torches, all right? That's what you're supposed to do. Here's Nehemiah looking over and he says, what are you doing here, man? How did you get in here? You don't belong in here. But it all happened in the absence of Nehemiah. Can I tell you this morning, what are you aligning with? Or can I ask you, what are you aligning with? What does your home align with? Look, folks, I know this is not one of those messages where you're going to build a huge congregation out of. But you know what I hope? I hope we build a solid congregation here. Listen, I'd rather have a solid few than a wishy-washy mini any day of the week. Now, well, folks, look, I don't like missing chairs. When you see chairs that are empty out here, but look, God changed the world with 12. As long as we have 12 left, I think we'll be all right. God did a great work with the few. Why? Because the few decided they were going to align with this rather than seek to align with the world. And here's Nehemiah, and he says, hey, what's this guy doing here? In my absence, the enemy has gained entrance. But watch this. Ooh, I'm fixing to show you somewhere that it shows up, and this one stung me a little bit. Look down at verse number 23. We didn't read this, but I want you to see this. Look, look at verse 23, and we'll read verse 24 as well. In those days of chapter 13... In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. So here's the Jewish people marrying these pagan cousins of theirs. Now watch verse 24. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language. Nehemiah comes in and he says, the enemy's gotten in. One of the ways you can tell it is we're, we're aligning, we're allied with them. And then now, notice what he says. He says, their children could not speak in the language of the Jews. Can I tell you, one of the greatest places what you believe is going to show up oftentimes, it's going to show up in our children. You know, moms and dads, we know how to fake it, don't we? What is the phrase? Fake it till we make it? I've been doing that for 18 months. <laughs> Fake it till we make it. I've been doing that for seven months for sure. Hey, I've never gone through a pandemic before. Let's just fake it till we can make it, all right? As parents, we learn how to fake it. We know how to dress and how to look and how to talk and and how to look like we're happy and look like that we're a Christian person. But unfortunately, our children just have this uncanny ability just to be honest. They haven't learned how to hide their hypocrisy yet. And it's going to come out in our kids. He says the people here, their children did not even know how to speak the language of the Jews. Folks, I'll tell you this morning, their children were not reflecting upon who they served. They served the God of heaven. or That's who they were. That's who they represented. But their children could not even speak the language. Can I ask you this morning, what language do your children speak this morning? 
What do you hear them talking about? Look, I'm not a soothsayer or a psychic. I'm thankful that I'm not. I would never get any sleep as a pastor if I was psychic. I assure you that. But I've been a youth pastor a, a long time, children's minister before that. Been around a lot of kids. Mom and dad built a youth camp, lived around a youth camp a whole my life. Get to meet a lot of kids. And after a while, you develop a little bit of a radar. It doesn't take long to be around some young people and listen to what they say. And you can tell what they're around. Why? Just by the language that they speak. It's sad that most of our Christian young people grow up in a good church like this, even sometimes go to a Christian school, and yet they can't quote two or three scriptures, but they can tell you every stat line from the professional athletes, every lyric from the most popular songs, and what's in style and fashion in the world we're living in. What's happened? Well, while we're away, the enemy has gained entrance. I've got to hurry this morning. Good night. It's 11.57. I'm only on point one. I hope you're not hungry, okay? Look down at verse number eight. I want to show you what Nehemiah did. Watch this. Verse number eight, the Bible says, look at verse seven. And I came to Jerusalem, understood of the evil that Elisha did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. Watch verse number eight. And it grieved me sore. Can I tell you, it ought to grieve you when the enemy gains entrance to your heart, your home, this church, and this country. It ought to grieve the people of God. Listen, it shouldn't just aggravate you enough to post about it. It ought to grieve you enough to do something about it. And watch what Nehemiah did. I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. What did he do? He got rid of some stuff. Here comes Nehemiah, and he's looking over at the, at the temple, and he says, what is this? Well, that's Elijah's sleeping bag, and he's got a vanity and a dresser over there, and probably a mini fridge, because every good man needs a mini fridge, and all this stuff set up there in his own little office. He said, this stuff's got to go. This stuff doesn't belong here. Hey, you're not supposed to be here in the first place. It's written in the Word of God. And so the Bible says that Nehemiah, I love the word, it's a verse 8. The Bible says, I cast forth all the household stuff. Could it be this morning that while we're away, the enemy has gained entrance into our heart, our home, and our church? And perhaps this morning, during invitation time, we need to throw out some stuff. Could it be? Absolutely it could be. Why? Because while we're away, the devil seeks to work in that time of absence. So number one, while we're away, did the enemy gain entrance? The second question I want to ask you this morning begins in verse number 10. The Bible says, and I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled, everyone to his field. Now, I'm going to give you an expedited uh, explanation of what's happening here. All right, the chamber that was given to Eliashib was the chamber that was supposed to house, if you look up in verse number 5, the Bible says where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, the vessels, the tithes of corn, the new wine, the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites. So that room was the room that was supposed to store all of the necessary resources for those serving in the temple. But Elijah comes in and he cleans out all of that to make room for Tobiah. Nehemiah says, wait a minute. He says, because you got rid of all this stuff out of the room and moved this guy into here, now those guys, look what they did in verse 10, were fled everyone to his field. They had to go work. Instead of serving God in the temple, they had to go out there and, and host some corn uh, and dig up some potatoes and dig up some carrots. Why? Because the enemy had made entrance. And now number two, notice the service had gotten sidelined. Number two, this morning, while we were away, could it be that your service got sidelined a little bit? Now, this is important to notice. A telltale sign that the enemy has gained entrance in your life is service gets sidelined. 
Okay? The enemy had moved into the room. The lives had been made for him. And all the things that were in that room had gotten moved out. Therefore, those that served God at the temple had to go out and get their own food. And so now the service of the temple is lacking because the enemy has gained entrance. Can I ask you this morning while we were away, did your service get sidelined? Did your service get sidelined? I'm talking about your service to God. You say, Brother Jeremiah, how could we serve God while we were away from the church? I hope you really don't mean that. How could we serve God while we're not able to come to church? I do honestly fear this morning that most of us see the sum total of our service to God at 11 o'clock on Sunday, 5 o'clock on Sunday nights, and 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And there's the sum total of our service. I hate to tell you, you're drastically wrong. What's interesting is you'll notice that the Levites and the porters and all of those that are mentioned in verse number 5, the singers and the priest, they had a daily ministry. They had a daily ministry. Now, what are you getting at? The ministry of the Levite was not a weekly duty. Okay? We look at coming to church on Sunday morning. That's, I did my duty. Check off the list. And it feels good checking stuff off list, doesn't it? I, I went to church today. I did my duty to God. I went to church Sunday night. I did my duty to God. And I am a super Christian worthy of a gold star because I showed up on Wednesday night. Whew, glad I got that over with for the week. I want you to know our ministry is similar to the Levites. We have a daily ministry before God. It's not something that we just come and check off of a list and watch closely, could it be this morning, that while we were away, our service to God got sidelined a little bit. That happens when the enemy makes an entrance. Your service to him gets set to the side and you're longer producing fruit. Interesting, something you can notice perhaps one day, maybe not in your own fruit trees, if you've ever had a fruit tree, and I think all of us have gone through that phase before we're going to raise all of this fruit and all these vegetables. Yeah, I got over that real quick. I got tired of hoeing the garden. I got tired of keeping the bugs off. And I was like, you know what? Del Monte makes it just as good. He said, well, you shouldn't eat stuff out of a can. That's why you pray over it. All right? I mean, there's no telling what's in those hot dogs that we're eating. I mean, it's pink sludge. Pray over it and go on. All right? Don't be grilling me all the time about eating processed foods. I'm going to pray over it and just go on about my life. And I don't figure I'm going to go one second before my time if I'm living within the will of God. Amen. Glad I got that off my chest. But... You ever had a fruit tree and the fruit tree begins putting on little fruits, little plums, little pears, peaches, something along that line. And man, you're getting excited. You go and you check them. They're not quite soft yet, so you don't pick them yet. And you're guarding the kids away from them. You put a fence around it so your neighbors can't come steal them, you know. And you just can't wait until that fruit becomes ripe. And all of a sudden, one morning you come out and all of the fruit has hit the ground prematurely. Interesting study. You can do this when you get home. It's a natural process. When trees drop their fruit like that. What happens is when a tree and its health gets compromised, the, the tree conserves energy. It's almost like an intelligent being created them. It should happen that way. That was an easy amen. Come on. Good grief. You have been away too long. You forgot how to amen. The easy stuff, all right? That would have got you in trouble when you got home. You could have said amen like that and looked like you knew what you was talking about. I'll give you another one in a minute, all right? God designed the trees that when their health is compromised and something's wrong, they, the first thing they do is they drop their fruit to conserve energy, all right? That's the way God designed them. Now, folks, I'll tell you this. Oftentimes, one of the first telltale signs that a Christian's health has been compromised is the first thing to go is their fruit. Their service gets sidelined. 
You watch Christians, listen, and they're busy about the will and the work of God. Look, they may not be a pastor, but they have a purpose in the work of God and the place that God has called them to. If God's called you to Central Baptist Church, he's got a purpose and a place for you here in this church. The first sign something's wrong is they quit serving. You look, look, if you're trying to hide it from me, stay busy. Because as soon as you get out and you drop out and you quit, it's like a big old red flag is waving. Something's bad wrong. This is what happens when the enemy makes an entrance. Your service gets sidelined. What happened to Demas? Demas was a faithful servant with Paul. And here's Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is about to have his head chopped off in the Mamertine prison. And what does Paul say? Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world. Now watch this. All right, I want you to see this. Paul says, I had Demas here with me. I mean, can you imagine how lonely it must have been for Paul to be in prison under a death sentence? And one of your friends turned tail and leaves you high and dry. I mean, how horrible would it be? Not only are you going to die, but now you're going to die alone other than the Lord. But why did Demas forsake Paul? Why did Demas quit his work? Why did Demas sideline his service? He says, having loved This present world. That word love is very important. Where does love happen? In your heart. Somewhere in the life of Demas, the enemy got entrance. And what he was influenced by and infiltrated by has now affected his service. Number two, I'm going to ask you this morning, while we were away, did your service get sidelined? Now hear me out. See, how are we supposed to serve God? We weren't even able to come to church. I'm talking about your daily service. Do you know what the Levites got to do? They got to do something really cool. The Levites got to go into the presence of God. They're one of the few people who got to do that. On a daily basis, they got to go into the presence of God. That was part of their calling of what God granted them to do in their service to him. Can I ask you this morning, how has your service in the presence of God been while we were away? Has it suffered any? Look, the opportunity to go in the presence of God and serve him on a personal basis was now sidelined. Why? Because the enemy had made entrance. I'll tell you this this morning. What they're having to do is be preoccupied with the needs of their life that they can't go focus on the priority of what they're called to do. Do you see that? What did the Bible say in verse number 10? They were fled every one to his field. Rather than be able to serve God faithfully in the presence of God, they're now preoccupied with the interest of their own life. Can I ask you, has that happened while we're gone? Have you gotten preoccupied with the needs of your own life that you've neglected to spend time in the presence of God? I bet it has because I'll know it's happened in mine. Get so busy juggling this virus and all that we have gone, trying to check on folks, trying to make sure everything's being taken care of. And the next thing you know, you fled to your field or I fled to my field. My ministry of spending time in the presence of God has gone neglected. Could it be this morning that your service has been sidelined? I've mentioned the term several times while we were gone and while we've been back about COVID casualties. I'm not talking to those who died from the virus. I'm talking about those who, while they were away, the enemy made entrance and now their service is sidelined. And I see these COVID casualties. Can I tell you, they didn't die because they couldn't come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. They died spiritually because what they didn't do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Folks, 
How's your daily ministry in the presence of the Lord coming? While we were away, did your service get sidelined? One of the jobs of the priest and the Levites, I'm going to hurry this morning, not only was it to spend time in the presence of God, the Bible says, look at verse number 5, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers. There were those who, their ministry, their service to God was to sing and to give praise to God. Now, I want you to imagine this sight. Here comes Nehemiah. I don't know if he's riding on a camel. I don't know if they're toting him one of those things. I have no idea. Here comes Nehemiah. He's coming into town. And instead of hearing the singers, it's silent. Silent. The praise is not going off anymore. They're not singing to God in his glory. The singers have fallen silent. Why? Because they're having to be out in the field because the enemy's made entrance and now that service has been sidelined. Can I tell you one of the easiest services you can do for God? Praise Him. Just praise Him. Can I ask you while we were away, has your ministry of serving God through praise fallen silent? So you don't understand what we've gone through. I mean, maybe you had a loved one die, a loved one in the hospital, and financial difficulty, and political turmoil, and all of this. It's kind of like those who were in prison, Paul and Silas, and yet what did they do at midnight? They sang praises. I believe this morning if we would praise more and protest less, we'd probably see a little bit different perspective on our day. We've always got something to praise God about. And yet the praises had fallen silent. Why? Because the enemy had made entrance and now their service has been sidelined. I watched a video the other day of a guy. You got to watch it. It was for a city council meeting protesting, get this, boneless chicken wings. Anybody seen it? You need to see it. I mean, this guy is before a city council saying there's no such thing as boneless chicken wings. They all have bones in them. And he's passionately protesting the misuse and the teaching of our children to eat boneless chicken wings. He said that's just unnatural. He says you can call them saucy nugs if you want to, but they're not chicken wings because chicken wings have bones in it. I mean, I was sitting there on the couch watching it, just about ready to say amen. This guy was passionate about it. I even went and got me some chicken wings. Here he is protesting chicken wings. And oh, we've had a lot to protest, haven't we? But oh, how it would change your spirit if you just tried to praise a little more than you protest. Let's not get aggravated about everything. Let's find something we have to praise God about. And by the way, it won't take you very long. So they were sidelined from the presence of God. They were sidelined from the praise of God. So what do we do? Look down at verse uh, verse 11. I'm going to hurry. When he saw that the people were out in their field and not able to go praise God and be in the presence of God, he says in verse 11, Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Could it be this morning that God not only wants us to get rid of some stuff that have gone lacking while we were gone, but could it be this morning that God wants us to put some things in their place today? I know it needs in my life. Notice what the Bible says. He says, I set them in their place. There was no room for both of them. Something had to go. So while we were away, did your service get sidelined? And finally, you say amen to that one. That was another easy one. You missed it right there. When the preacher says finally, that's something to amen about, right? (laughs) Verse 15. He says, and in those days, here he is riding through the city. He says, number one, the enemy's gained entrance. Number two, the service of God has been sidelined. Where are the singers? We're the porters. We're the Levites. But then he says something else he saw in Judah. 
He says, in those days saw I in Judah some treading winepresses on the Sabbath. And bringing in sheaves and laden asses as also wine grapes and figs and all manner of burdens which they, watch closely, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Now here's what's happening. The key word in verse 15, notice they were bringing these things to sell in Jerusalem. But the key word is this, on the Sabbath day. He says, wait a minute. While I'm gone, this guy moves into the temple. While I was gone, these guys quit serving. And now while I'm gone, the Sabbath day is no longer holy anymore. The Sabbath day, they're just buying and selling just like it's any other day. The merchants were coming and going as they pleased. Verse 17, he spells it out clearly. He says, what evil thing is this that ye have done, that ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? Now it's important to see what's happening here. The Sabbath day was a holy day. It was a separate day. And now what was holy and separate, hear me out, had become commonplace. He said, while I was gone, what was holy and separate has now become common. And so watch what he did. I love this. This is the last one. If you stick with me, all right? Watch what he did in verse 19. He's fired up mad. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said I at the gate that were there should no burden be brought into in on the Sabbath day. Here's what he did. Nehemiah says, wait a minute, guys. This is the Sabbath day. This is God's day. It's a holy day. This is not a common day. He said, shut the gates. Shut the gates. This is God's day. Number two, or number three this morning, I want you to notice, while we were away, did the gate go unguarded? Did the gate go unguarded? The Bible says in verse 19, some of my servants set I at the gate that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. You see, here's what they did. While Nehemiah was gone, they let down their guard. They had let down their guard. Things that should not have come in and should not have been done were taking place in the temple. What was consecrated, the Sabbath, the holy day, was now common. And are we not just about there in America today? There's nothing holy anymore. Do you know there's a time in my life, and I am just a mere 40 years old. There's a time in my life, I can remember chains running through the beer coolers at gas stations on Sundays. Why? Because that was a holy day. That was the Lord's day. We didn't cut our grass on Sunday. We didn't hunt. We didn't fish. Listen, that was the Lord's day, not the Lord's hour on Sunday morning. It was the Lord's day. And yet slowly but surely, look, we can blame the lost and we can blame the wicked world, but it's us who's allowed the holy things to become common. We're the ones who've let our guard down. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles 9, 22, listen close what the Levites were supposed to do. All these which were chosen to be porters in the gates were 212. These were reckoned by their genealogy in their villages, whom David and Samuel, the seer, did ordain and set their office. Listen close. So they and their children had oversight of the gates. Do you know what the church is responsible to do this morning? We're the ones who are supposed to have oversight of the gates. We're the ones who are supposed to be guarding the gates in this country. We can gripe and complain about what's coming and going in America today, but what's coming and going is happening under the watchful eye of those that God left here to guard the gates. It all falls in our laps. 
We can gripe and complain about it, but it's our fault for letting our guard down. That's why our families are in the shape they're in. That's why our hearts are in the shape they're in. That's why our churches are in the shape they're in. And ultimately our country. Why? Because we have let down our guard and not guarded the gates. Can I ask you something, dads, real quickly before I'm done? While we were away, did the gate go unguarded in your home? While we were away, did something slip in that wasn't supposed to slip in? Did something good that was supposed to be held on to slip out? Why? Because we didn't guard the gate because we're too preoccupied with all that we had going on. Perhaps this morning, like Nehemiah, there's some changes we need to make today. We need to realize that we as God's people are the ones that he set as that watchman on the wall. Now you notice in verse 17 he used the word profane. It comes from the Hebrew word, if you will, profaneness. It's Greek word, or the same word is actually in Greek, that means simply this. Watch closely, outside the temple. The word profane means outside the temple. God says there's some things that are supposed to be in the temple, and there's some things that are supposed to be outside the temple. And don't bring the stuff from outside the temple inside the temple, all right? Now, what does the Bible say about us? That our bodies are the what? Temple. While we were away, did the gate go unguarded and some things make it into the temple? That God says are profane. I want to say this and we're going to be done. I want you to notice what he did. Notice what he did. He says in verse 19, I commanded them, commanded that the gates should be shut. I think this morning that over the last seven months, some gates have been opened that need to be shut. There's some gates that separated what was holy from what is unholy and separated you from things God does not want you to be associated with. Some gates have been opened that need to be shut. And then notice what he did. The Bible says in verse 20, So the merchants and sellers of all kind of where lodge without Jerusalem once or twice. He locks some people out. He locks some people out. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things to do. Unfriend people on Facebook. Come on now. You ever get tired of seeing the same people's posts all over and over and over and over again? And it's just not, every Monday morning, I just sit in there and I try to think, who am I going to unfriend today? You say, well, that's just horrible. I'm just being honest with you, all right? I could lie to you like Benny Hinn and like Joel Osteen, but I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? Do you know why I unfriend some people on Facebook and I lock some people out? Because they mess with my spirit. There's some preachers. By the way, a lot of them are preachers. They get on my nerves. They take a photo every time we lead somebody to the Lord. I didn't know we were supposed to do that. Got another one today. I'm going to start taking pictures of when I fail and posting it just to be different. I was mean to my wife today. <laughs> Hollered at somebody today. Didn't read my Bible today. You know why I unfriend these people? Because some things you've got to lock out. Because it disturbs your spirit. You've got to learn to recognize that. Nehemiah says, shut the door and lock them out. Watch verse 21. Then I testified against them and said unto them, why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lock them out, but I'm not going to lay hands on them. He seems kind of serious. He says, get them out of here, lock the door, and if you come back in, I'm going to lay hands on you. And we're not talking about the spiritual kind. All right? We're talking about knuckles. He says, I'm going to lay it on you if you come back in here. Why? Why? I'm going to give you this. I promise, promise I'm done. Why? Look back up, if you would, to verse 18. I'm done. Why is Nehemiah so mad about what went wrong while they were gone? 
Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Question mark. Here's what he's saying. Don't you remember when the walls were broke down? Don't you remember? The walls were broken down. The gates were burned with fire. And we were reproached. Don't you remember that? And the reason we're broken down is because our daddies did just what we're doing. He says we didn't learn from our mistake is what he's saying. Nehemiah is saying, you know what? Watch what he says. Last part of verse 18. Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Nehemiah walks into town. Been away for a while. Finds things are not the way that he left them. He finds out that while he was away, the enemies gained entrance. Can I ask you this morning? I'm going to ask you three questions before we have invitation. Could it be that while we were away, the enemies gained entrance? Could it be there's something that slipped in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes that does not need to be there this morning? And like Nehemiah, we need to make some changes today. Nehemiah says, don't you remember what we went through? Don't you remember all the heartache and the pain and the grief that we went through? And it's because of things that we're doing right now. We can't do that again. We're going to go back to where God brought us from. Or could it be number two this morning that while we were away, not only did the enemy gain entrance, but our service got sidelined. I'm not talking about in here. I'm talking about outside of here. Your daily service to the Lord, has it gotten sidelined because you've been too busy tending your field? And then finally this morning, could it be that while we were away, the gate went unguarded? Did you let your guard down? And now what was common, I mean what was consecrated has become common. And we're no longer separate from the things that God says that we're not to be about. So here's my question to you this morning. Nehemiah saw what had gone downhill while he was away. And Nehemiah says we're going to make some changes right now. Can I ask you this morning, have things gone down a little bit? Are we not what we were when we left this place? Then let's follow the example of Nehemiah this morning and make the changes that are needed lest we go back to that place that God brought us to because of our sin. Our heads this morning are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our musicians are coming. Can I ask you this real quickly? The message this morning is not a salvation message in particular, but if you're here today and the Holy Spirit of God has showed you that you're not sure that heaven's your home, and he's made that clear today, would you make the needed change and trust Christ as your Savior today? If you died right now, are you certain that you're going to heaven? If you're not sure today, there's, there's men and women down front that would love to take the Word of God and show you how you can make the needed changes. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the privilege to be back here. But, Lord, let's not be naive to think that we're the same people we were when we left here. Lord, help us to see that over the time that we're away, perhaps the enemies gained entrance. And, Lord, our service has been sidelined. And, Lord, even perhaps this morning the gate has gone unguarded. And let's make some changes, Lord. Let's push some things out. Let's bring some things back in. And, Lord, help us to guard that gate that our church would continue to be the great work of God that was begun here many, many years ago. And Lord, I pray there's one lost here today. Help them to come and be saved before it's too late in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.